Turn in your copy of God's Word, 1 Timothy 6, 11. Turn in your copy of God's Word or turn to your devices or uh, you'll have to find it in the Pew Bible because I forgot to look this morning. So it's in there, I promise. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. We're going to uh, finish out 1 Timothy today. Uh, we'll continue into 2 Timothy next week as we've been looking at having to be faithful, leaving a legacy of faith for the church, for each other, and... Huh? 1053. 1053. 1053. Uh, if you're looking to the, use the Pew Bible. Uh, the legacy of faithful living we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at not just how we might leave a legacy for the church, but how we might live a legacy of our faith as we live faithfully to the Lord. So let's read verses 11 through 21 this morning. Uh, but you, man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life for which you were called and, and about which you have been made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God, who gives life to all, and of Christ Jesus, who gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate, I charge you to keep this command without fault or failure until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. God will bring this about in his own time. He is blessed and the only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who is alone, immortal, and who lives in an unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal power. Amen. Instruct those who are rich to be in this present age to not be arrogant or set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good and be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding irreverent and empty speech, and contradictions from what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some people have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we come to your word, we know that we can stand on it because it is sure. We know that we can believe in it because it is without error. We know that in it is life. And by God's grace, we ask that you through the Spirit, help us live obediently to it. So as we come to it this morning, may we never be the same again. Amen. A few years ago, uh, we, uh, I was, got a phone call uh, from my neighbor next door at the time, which was Travis Benj. Some of y'all know Travis. Travis said, hey, Sean, uh, do you want to come over? Clay Miller is coming over, and we're going to lift some weights. And I thought, I mean, I can't not go show my weightlifting prowess. It's a good time for fellowship. I think I'll go over. I have time check with Sarah. Anything going on? Can I just go do that? And uh, so uh, I went. Needless did I know that this was going to be the next hour and a half of torture unless that I have ever experienced in all of my life. Amen. <laughs> It was not just weightlifting. It was running, squatting. I, I think I blacked up out. I don't even remember all that we ended up doing 
and I paid for it for weeks after. Uh, I just remember that day, and uh, I remember, you know, Clay and I just saying, are you still alive? You know, we just keep checking on each other throughout the week to making sure we're good. Well, I, I remember how painful it was, and I remember, remember how my body felt, but it was a good reminder that for health and for our good, that it takes a lot to fight to get healthy. It takes a lot for us to secure ourselves in our health. And in the same way in our spiritual life, the reward in which God has secured for us through Jesus Christ is worth the effort in continuing fighting in our daily lives. When we opened up this book, we were called to join the fight, to join the fight for the faith of the church, to, to hold true to the foundation, to say that the church was a foundation, a pillar of truth, that we would collectively hold true to the legacy of the faith that was once passed down by the saints, that we would continue on in our faith as a church and keep it going for generations to come. Well, well, Paul, as he writes to this letter to Timothy, reminds Timothy and us that there is a personal fight that we must continue in, a daily fight that we would maintain ourselves as Christians faithful to what God has called us. You see, to be faithful to the gift of our salvation, we are called to live faithfully unto God. As Paul introduced the false teachers that we read about some last week, and throughout this book, these false teachings resulted in false and bad living, unfaithful to God. And Paul opens up here in verse 11, say, man of God, flee from these things. Fight the good fight. We need to make sure that as believers, we are fighting to remain faithful to God. When I was growing up, my grandfather, I'm probably have mentioned this since I've been here, had a little house that we called a creek, a camp. It was a house, a, a camp on Craig's Creek. It was a creek in the mountains of Virginia. And, and we would go there and we'd have family gatherings and we'd have, uh, after working at the Christmas tree farm, we would go over there and refresh in the creek and we'd bathe in the creek and we'd, you know, we'd just have fun time there. And uh, the, 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 the creek was swift enough during the, you know, we've had enough rain uh, that, that you could float and float the creek. And we would take inner tubes and we would go and, you know, we would do it to play sometime. We would get in the inner tube and kind of rest on the front of the, the, the inner tube and we would walk across the creek and kind of float around. And then, of course, for a while, we'd lift up our feet and let the, the current take us down. And what we understood, especially once we built kind of a, a dam across our portion of the creek to really get a swift moving funnel down the creek, we could see that the, the, the current would take us wherever it would go if we just put our feet up. And if we really wanted to not get lost, not get too far away from the camp or get too far away downstream, we really had to put our feet down. And especially if we had that inner tube, we had even more resistance we had to really fight up against the current. You know, the same thing can happen in our spiritual life. So from the currents of apathy, the current of, the current of 
uh, fight of, against Satan and his trappings and temptations, the, the fight that we would have against our own flesh, if we just allow ourselves to go where it will go, we will fall certainly away from where God has called us and saved us to be. If we are saved by faith, we are, will not lose our salvation, but we will surely move away from how the spirit-filled life that God promises us and gives us. Therefore, the legacy of every Christian is faithfulness. The faithfulness that we will show one day at the judgment seat of Christ. And therefore, as we prepare ourselves for heaven, we need to remain faithful. And that takes a daily fight. So in this passage, there are four ways for us to fight for endurance in the Christian life. So if you're taking notes at home or on your phone or there in the pew, number one, the daily fight for your faith is by fleeing sin and pursuing righteousness. A daily fight for your faith is by fleeing sin and pursuing righteousness. Verse 11 through 12 says this, but you, man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. The Christian life is a daily fight towards righteousness. And Paul here says, man of God, or could say woman of God. He's speaking specifically to Timothy, but he's saying this to all of us. Man or woman of God, you should not be like this. Now, what is this? Well, you could go to the beginnings of chapter 6 where he talks about uh, the arguments, disputes, envy, quarreling, slander, evil, evil suspicions, any of those. It could be the things that he talked about earlier in the chapter. Whichever it is, Paul is saying this should not be like this among you. That you should be something different about your life. That you should be not getting near these things, but fleeing these things. And this matches what the Bible, entire Bible, tells us about sin and the dangers that it is. This matches what the Bible says when it talks about spiritual warfare and Satan. The Bible says later on that Satan is like a lion that is going about wanting to devour and destroy your faith. That Satan and his demons are working to hurt you, distract you, deceive you into thinking that any particular sin is good for you. We are much like what one Puritan said, that we often see the worm, but we don't see the hook. We see what might be good and rewarding and juicy and pleasurable, but we don't see the pain and destruction that comes with it. James reiterates Paul's uh, point. He, James chapter 4, verse 7, he says, Therefore, submit to God, and yet resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There is a work there that we must be actively fleeing, actively resisting Satan and temptation. And we know and understand that, that the closer we get to sin, the closer we are to getting caught. You know, I think this is very key, and I don't want to focus too much on just a couple of words, but isn't the fleeing very much against our very nature? When we're with sin, we often like to get as close as we can before we get burnt. We like to get awful close before we get caught. We like to get awful close 
before we get addicted or, or stuck in it. But brothers and sisters, just like we've seen through the scriptures, just as Lot camped near Sodom, or, or just like we see that the warnings of don't get too close to sin before it entraps you, the Bible over and over and over again says the character of Christians is one who sees sin, who acknowledges what, that God uh, and agrees with God that it is sin, and we don't go near it, we run far away from it. But it is in our flesh and a desire that we draw closer and closer and closer. So what sin, brothers and sisters, are you too close or actively engaging in? What sin do you know that you need to flee from today? Is it gossip? unrighteous anger or maybe anger that you're trying to confuse yourself as righteous and you know really is unrighteous pornography a sinful friendship brothers and sisters we must run or flee but the good news is Paul didn't leave us with just the fleeing party gives us something that we should be pursuing that we should then pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. So brother and sister, what sin that you know you should be fleeing, what righteous act should you be putting in its place? Instead of lying, in which way should you be telling the truth? In, in which way that you have a relationship that you know you need to break or to make that relationship holy or good or edifying to you? What is it, that unrighteous anger that you need to either stop, ask if it's pride or something that you've come over in your life? You see, we need to put these things on. We need to put on righteousness. That means doing what is right in relation to God and man, living in obedience to his word. Godliness, a reverence to God that, that results in our obedience to him and his word. Faith, a confidence that trusts in God and what he says. Love, this unrestrained, encompassing love for God, for others and people that he terms in the the phrase of agape love that is, that is not earned love, but instead freeing love that is a love of Christ. Steadfastness. Being patient or being enduring even in difficult and painful circumstances. John MacArthur said that this steadfastness, steadfastness excuse me, does not describe a, a fatalistic or passive resignation but a victorious triumphant unswerving loyalty to the lord in the midst of suffering or gentleness a meekness or kindness that word pursue there means to hunt down or to follow zealously this is something we should be pursuing with our all of our energy just as one who who does fight or does work out or does run long distance you work through the pain line are you working through the pain line to to put towards righteousness and love and faith and, and steadfastness and gentleness brothers and sisters to have a faithful endurance the fight begins here 
You know, in Monopoly, if you get sick to jail, what does it say? Do not pass go. Do not, pa- do not get your $200. Go straight to jail. Well, brothers and sisters, do not pass over this. Go straight to this in your Christian walk. Flee sin. Pursue righteousness. This is not something that you can pass over, but one that you must work daily in. So number two, the daily fight encourages and goes on that the daily fight for your faith by depending on the strength that you receive in Christ. Depending on the strength that you receive in Christ. Uh, In verses 12 through 16, let me remind you of this. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you have made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God who gives life to all and to Christ Jesus who gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate. I charge you to keep this command without fault or failure until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. God will bring this about in his own time. He is Blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light. No one has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal power. Amen. Here in the midst of these verses, Paul says, I charge you to keep the command. Well, we don't know really exactly what command he's speaking of here maybe he is speaking and referring to what this this fight for endurance fight for righteousness this fight for things but maybe it's a call to to obedience we know that this command is telling us that we must be fastened and joined to christ in his word that we would live faithfully and that we can do so victoriously In most of our Christian life, many times we come against something in God's word, something that we know that is hard or difficult for something for us to obey. In the midst of trial or in the midst of relationship or in the midst of a situation, we we find it hard to obey God. We find it hard to follow his commands. But a faithful Christian fights to know that we're not depending on ourselves to follow this command. We're depending upon the strength that we receive in Christ so that we know in these times of moments of weakness and struggle and strife that we have the strength within us to obey, that we know that we've already been given victory, that we know that we can have victory because of the strength of Christ that is in us. How do we know? How can we do this? Well, walk down through the text. In verse 12, take hold of eternal life, which you were called. We have been called. We are his child, that you are not fighting against God. He is fighting for you. Second, we read that you have confessed your faith. This, that you have made a good confession in front of witnesses, that you either have stood before this church or another church and said, by confession, I Put my faith in Jesus Christ, that you have been baptized into the likeness of of Christ, that you have been raised to walk in the newness of life. And so you stand with this confession to say that my whole hope and strength is in Christ. And that in doing so, that you know you have been raised to walk as Christ has. In view of these truths, we live in God's presence. Paul charges Timothy in the presence of God. He is with you. 
So Christian, know that as you fight and you seek to obey, that you are not doing it by yourself, but the very presence of God is with you and fighting with you. As believers, we also know we should live in the view of Christ's faithfulness. It says that Christ gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate in verse 13. That when the life of the Son of God was on the line before Pontius Pilate, he was asked, who are you? And he, he claimed himself to be the King of the Jews, to be the Messiah. His faithful confession in which he confessed before Pontius Pilate that put him to the cross, that died for you, that put him in the grave, and he has now raised the life. This is the faithful Christ in which we stand. And in this, we know we can be faithful because he was faithful. And we have a Savior who died for us. So we, what do we have to fear? Moreover, he is the king who is coming for you. Verse 14 says that we are to walk in obedience until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was so precious the other day. Bella makes up her own hymns sometimes. And God in heaven. Jesus in heaven. You know, she was singing. She makes up all these beautiful, little, I don't know, little songs. And, I, and she was singing that. And I said, hey, Bella, do you know what? She said, what? She said, do you know Jesus is going to come back for us? Mom, mom, do you know that Jesus is going to come back for us? She was so excited. As believers, we can be faithful and that we can be faithful to the command of Christ because we know we have a confident Savior who is coming for us. We can look longingly to the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, pursuing godliness because we know Jesus is coming back. What a great encouragement for us to know that God does not leave us but wants us with us. And when we're overwhelmed, we can stand in God's greatness. As Paul does, as he is writing and he is exclaiming the goodness of Christ and salvation, he breaks out into song and hymn and praise to God. And he does that again here. At the end of this text, he says in verse 15, God will bring this about in his own time. He is blessed and the only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see to him be honor and eternal power. Amen. Brother and sister, if you feel like you want to give up, do you feel like the pressures of the world or your flesh is coming, then stand in the strength that you receive in Christ knowing that you stand in the greatness of God. That his rule is universal. He, he is a sovereign over all things. And whatever you are facing, it is not without his care, or concern, or plan. That his reign is invincible. He is the king of kings and no one can match him. Not your sin, not your flesh, not heights, nor depths, nor anything can conquer God in your life. He is immortal. He is beyond time. He is everlasting. Whatever you are going through cannot outlast the goodness of God. He is unapproachable. 
We know that God lives in light. He is holy, that there, no sin can come to him. God lives in an atmosphere of blinding holiness that sin cannot touch him. He is inconceivable. No one can fathom his greatness. He is utterly transcendent. And we know that he possesses all power, eternal, omnipotent, mighty is his name. And his name is worthy of all praise. To him be eternal honor, power. Amen? So you can stand because the eternal greatness of God So dear brother or sister, you are fighting. Remember there is one fighting for you. That you are not fighting alone. You are fighting in his strength. That you may be facing adversary. Adversity. You may feel like giving up. You might be feeling tired or overwhelmed. You might be willing and wanting to give into the flesh because it would be much easier. But brother or sister, endure because God's power is with you. God's power is secure. Christ loves you and he is fighting for you. Psalm 31, 15. The course of my life is in your power. Rescue me from the power of my enemies and from my persecutors. Paul even knew that his ministry was dependent upon not his gifting and skill and ability, but the power of God and Christ in him. Colossians 1.28, which is our verse here at Hebrew Baptist Church, continues in verse 29 when it, he says, We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ I labor for this, striving in his strength that works powerfully within me. Brothers and sisters, as you are walking, working, fighting every day to be faithful, you are not doing it alone. You're doing it in his strength. An unbeliever here today, you might wonder how you get access to this power. It's not, might not be how you think you do. It's not by being good enough. It's not by checking off a list. It's not by following a bunch of different rules. It's by trusting in the work of Jesus Christ. See, it is in his grace that he died for you that he took the punishment for your sin, that he stood in your place, that he went to the grave for you, and that by God's grace raised him from the dead three days later, that this new covenant is that if we trust in him, have faith in him, not in our works, because we will fail, but in his work on the cross. It's by trusting in him and repenting of our sins, we're born again. And we receive this power to live every day. Brothers and sisters, unbeliever, have you trusted in Christ? Because if you have, you have the power of God to fight, to be faithful. Which leads to this, number three, There's a daily fight against self-reliance. A daily 
fight against self-reliance. In verse 17 through 19, instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Now, as Brother Colin talked about last week, last week Paul was warning about those who want to get rich, maybe warning against a prosperity gospel, as one commentator says, as in now he's warning us here about an austerity gospel, that our richness, our wealth, our, our means of living has put us in a place that we are more self-reliant, arrogant, thinking that we can take care of all things to ourselves. Paul is speaking to those who are already rich, warning them that this money and wealth can trick us into thinking that we've got everything taken care of, that we don't need anybody, anyone, even God. Paul warns us to tell us the wealthy not to be, uh, to be careful because trusting in money is fleeting. And it's easy for us to think that we've got it all under control. Many of us have been lulled to sleep under the lullaby of our own comfort and that we think that we have things under control but Paul knows that money is fleeting Proverbs 23 4 through 5 don't wear yourself out to get rich because you know better stop as soon as your eyes fly to it it disappears for it makes wings for itself and flies like an eagle to the sky so some of you might be reading this and saying well, okay, I can skip this. I know I'm not rich. Next, what, you know, I'll, let me look to find that next verse that I'm supposed to go to and God needs to convict me under. Well, do you know that the latest statistic, economic statistics are the, the lowest economic 20% of the United States is greater position economically than 70% of the world. In all of us, our comfort and our own welfare is better than most everyone else in the world. When we think through this, we can find ourselves in America and in this pew and in our lives wishing we had more, but in reality knowing that we are well taken care of. And we need to fight in the same way to be cautious about self-reliance in our life. That we... that things will work out we can figure it out we can take care of it we can throw some money at it somebody else can throw some money at it we can take care of it or just lulls us into apathy brother sister we must depend on God if it is his strength working for us we must depend on that strength so Paul tells us and warns to say, instead, be storing up riches in good works. How do you do that? Be generous. When you're a generous person, you're giving it away. You're not holding it like a miser, like Scrooge, and hoping and helping and hoping that will be your foundation of faith. Instead, when you're generous, you're saying, I can be as generous as I want to be because I already know God will take care of me. And so we must work to be in a place where we're reliant, not on ourselves, but on God. 
We may not all be rich, but we are in the trap of self-reliance, especially in the American church. It's much easier for us to send money on mission than for us to share the gospel with someone else. It's much easier to throw money at our church and hope that they will do programs to raise up our kids as Christians than for us to daily disciple them towards Jesus. It's much easier for us to think everything that we do actively for us to, to it will naturally happen than to actively disciple somebody else in the scriptures. Now, we may not all be rich, but we surely have fallen into apathy and self-reliance. To fight the good fight, we must fight against this self-reliance. We need to share the gospel faithfully, often, regularly, and trust in God to do the work. That we put ourselves in a situation that we aren't comfortable because then, guess what? We really are depending on God to do all the work. That we serve in a capacity at the church where we know that it's outside our comfort zone so that we see that God can work in us and through us in a way that we didn't understand. That we can disciple someone even though it's hard for you and uncomfortable. But we know, given the spirit and trusting in God's word, that we can disciple someone across the table with the scriptures and that we can help each other grow together in Christ. Why? Because Jesus has said it. Brothers and sisters, we need to fight against self-reliance. How are you depending on God today? In which way are you trusting in God in a situation that you're up against right now? How are you facing the trial or, or situation that you are struggling with, trusting in God and not yourself? Which leads us to this, a daily fight to rest in the grace that you have received. In verse 21, I'm just going to go to the end. Grace be with you all. We know that this letter, and we've talked about letter being written to Timothy and written to the church and believers at Ephesus. Here, this pronoun is in the plural. For those of you whose primary language is Southern, it's y'all. Grace be with y'all. Paul is saying to all of you all, here's the grace in which you have received in Christ. Now rest in this grace daily. You see, it is very easy for us to take the day to work out our salvation, to do all these things that I've just mentioned and say that all depends on me and that all depends on what I can do. But Timothy is saying, you have grace. You have the grace that you have received in Christ that is not what you earn or what you deserve, but what Christ has gifted to you. So that as you walk daily and you fail at being righteous and you fail at being humble and you fail at being gentle and you fail at these things, be reminded to not give up. 
Because the same grace that has met you in salvation meets the Christian who confesses and turns to the grace of Jesus. Don't give up. Don't stop going. Don't feel downcast. There is grace for you. That you'll be reminded the same grace that you've received of forgiveness allows you to forgive others. That the grace that was bought, nothing in us, but no matter what happens, that we don't live today by the fear of man or what other people think of us because we've received grace. We are his child. All that matters is what he thinks of us. That we can continue to work in grace. And ultimately, we can fight every day the grace knowing that victory is already ours. Well, it makes a difference when you know that the victory is already there. I've, I've taped a game and I've tried to do everything I can to not find out what happens at the end of the game. And then somebody, hey, great game. You know, just, geez, I'm going to watch this later. But can I tell you this? It's a whole lot more enjoyable knowing when the, my team wins. When I'm watching in the second quarter, there's an interception return for a touchdown and I want to throw something against the wall. I'm eased down a whole lot because I know the victory's already won. When I mess up or when they mess up again and they, the coach calls a timeout when they shouldn't have called a timeout or didn't call the timeout when he should have, I'm a lot, my blood pressure's a lot more lower because I know the outcome at the end. The same thing, brothers or sisters, that when we fight the good fight daily, that we know that we are fighting with a victory already won. That when we, when we trip or we stumble or we mess up, we get up and we keep going because we know the victory's already there. Because we know that Christ is already working and won on our behalf. That we can live each day daily in God's grace because we know that God by his grace has won. That we can say triumphantly and echo the words of Martin Luther and his hymn, Mighty Fortress of Our God, in verse 2. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man by our side. The man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabbath is his name. From age to age the same. He must win the battle. Isn't that good? It's him who's winning the battle, not us. So why can we fight daily for the faith? Because we have Christ on our side. Brothers and sisters, fight the good fight. Live faithfully. Live for God because he's fighting for you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this good news. We're thankful that it is not solely dependent on us, but we know that you have called us to grow in grace. Help us to fight daily to honor you, glorify you, bring praise to you.
we are so thankful it is not by our own strength. It is because you fight for us. God, we pray that you would be with us. And if there's someone here, Lord, today that wants to receive the power, the eternal love and grace and forgiveness, we pray that they would trust on Christ today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.